Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. In many respects, uh, <laughs> a lot of people in this country uh, fear change. Barack Obama, everybody. All right, your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, February 23rd, is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of reefer to smoke, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A. V is at victory. S-K-Y. It is Wednesday, February 23rd, and this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist, Monroe Anderson. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Culture Canceled Wednesday. And here's why. Because my culture was canceled, ladies and gentlemen. Should be a better day for me. Should be a day that I'm really excited about, happy about. Because D, I've been begging to have my culture canceled from the right for months and months and months. And here was my theory, ladies and gentlemen. Ratings are down a little bit. I got to do something to juice the ratings up. You know, some days are better than others when it comes to rating. What can I do to juice the ratings up? I know. I'll say something really upsetting to a MAGA person and they'll call for my culture to be canceled. <clears throat> they'll say, boycott this lefty, this radical leftist. And then people are like, who is this guy? Whoa, I hate this guy. And the ratings will shoot up. And Dennis and I will get raises. Woo, woo. <laughs> that hadn't happened. Hadn't happened, Dean. The right's just not really paying attention to my humble little show. Just got to tell you that. But out of nowhere, the other day, my culture was canceled from the left. I'm like, are you kidding me? By the way, if my throat sounds up, yeah, you sound awful, dude. (laughs) Well, not much sleep last night, Dennis. Let's be honest. I took that red eye in. I was visiting my granddaughter and my kids in California, living that good life, you know, hanging out. I actually didn't hang out. Everybody's sick in California. So I flew in really late last night. I was on the red eye. I didn't get much sleep. And I just, I do, I sound awful. So I apologize for the awful sounding of my voice. Anyway, where was I? Oh, while I was in Cali, chilling, walking around, okay, being cool. Uh, I see somebody posted on my Facebook, D, so I can't miss it. 
and a uh, good friend of the show, generally, I think. Or maybe, I don't even know if she listens to the show, but every now and then she likes my uh, articles. Uh, so her name is Maureen. Uh, thank you, Maureen, for writing. Hey, D, you always got to thank your readers and listeners when they weigh in. Thanks, Maureen. What? It's cool. <laughs> well, wait you hear what happens. Uh, before we get, it's like when uh, like Dave Chappelle will introduce a topic. Or Louis C.K. does this a lot. He'll introduce a topic like, yeah, you know, teachers. And people, yeah. He goes, I wouldn't clap just yet. Here's about what I'm about to say. And then, oh, God, Louis. Anyway. So uh, I wrote a, a little uh, newsletter uh, bit for the Reader's Newsletter. I love writing those newsletters. But you know, could try to look different things. And I wrote about, I talked a lot about this. The 30-year-old unnamed juror uh, on the Patrick Daly Thompson case uh, who admitted in an interview with the Sun-Times that she, uh, 30 years old, one more time, had never heard of the dailies until she sat on the juror. And ladies and gentlemen, as I said uh, last week, hold on, sip of coffee. Mm. That's delicious. Uh, as I said last week, I was in style. <laughs> the studio audience is fired up, man. They love when you sip that coffee, apparently. <laughs> uh it, I was astounded. It just was, it blew my mind. And uh, I'm well versed with the notion that well, one person knows something another person doesn't know. And you just got to go on with it. I, I had people, uh, an uncle many, many years ago who was in the newspaper business. In fact, some might say, some might say, I might say that they had a big influence in me going in the newspaper business, in which case, thanks for nothing, Uncle Dave. So uh, he had this kind of annoying habit of when a topic would come up and the other person would not know it, he goes, you don't know about what fill in the blank. You don't know about daily. And he was like, <laughs> I was like 10. I don't know. Look at my truck. So I'm well aware of that. And I, and I try not to do that, but I was astounded because, you know, I'm obsessed with politics, particularly local politics. And I have been my whole life. Uh, so I was like going around everybody, but everybody came on the show was, was asked, what, what do you think about the 30 year old who didn't know about the dailies? And, and I've discovered an interesting thing. Most people came or many people came to the defense of the 30 year old and they would say things to me like, well, Ben, she's only 30. And then I did the math. I go, well, that means she was about, hmm, take away the one, add the two, blah, 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 about 19. When Richie Daly, the last daily stepped down. So it's not, you know, it's not like she's an infant. She had 19 years of existence, 19 years of walking by newsstands, you know, with newspaper headlines or just 19 years of turning on the TV randomly. Even if you're just turning on to watch a sitcom or whatever, daily this, daily that. It's kind of a lot of a lot of years, ladies and gentlemen, not to even have heard of the dailies. They go, well, Ben, she's from the suburbs. I go, well, you know, I went from the suburbs. I heard it daily when I was 10. And they go, well, you are a political nerd. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it comes back to that. huh? So I wrote this little essay about how I couldn't believe it. But then I pointed out that, you know, who am I to get on my high horse about somebody not knowing who daily is even <laughs> after 30 years of existence? I've never heard of the most powerful political family in the Chicago area. Ladies and gentlemen, no decision is made in the city of Chicago without the dailies, like putting their stamp on it. 
And you go, well, she's from the suburbs. Oh, what about the expansion of O'Hare? What about the the drive to get an Olympics uh, in the city of Chicago? What about the Democratic National Convention that was held in the city of Chicago? All these huge events that face affect everybody in the state. And she never heard of the dailies. So I'm like, you know, it is kind of a statement about where democracy is right now. That where people are so freaking just and I'm not saying this in a disparaging way. I really watch my words in these sensitive times. I don't want to get in trouble for shaming voters, but that people are so ignorant about just the very basics that control their lives. But they know in great detail the intricacies of pop culture that surround them. And that varies, that knowledge varies according a large degree of your generation you know, your race, your ethnicity, et cetera, and so forth. That's why I pointed out that I shouldn't get on my high horse, even though I think it's pretty telling that she never heard of the most powerful force that controls her life to a certain degree. Even if you live in the suburbs, the dailies controlled lots of laws uh, in the state of Illinois that affected people in the suburbs. People in the suburbs were invited to join on that Olympic bandwagon, which was full gear. Uh, back at roughly the time, this woman would have been about 17, 18. So I said, I'm not going to get on my high horse because I didn't know any of the songs at the halftime show. Like, I was using that as an example of all the things I don't know. And I went through a whole list of things I don't know, like a, a jewelry company. Oh, my God. Just listen to this podcast. You'll get a, a, a laundry, <laughs> like five laundry lists of things you don't know. You didn't know who Scooby-Doo was. I remember that. <laughs> oh, I kind of put that. I didn't know who Scooby-Doo was. Dude, what? I was like, isn't that someone with like, there's no dog in there? Yeah, that's the dog. Scooby-Doo. So that's my point. I should get, shouldn't get on my high horse. None of us should get on our high horse. We know, everybody knows some things. You know, it may be outrageous enough. Stuff. I I put in there, D, I don't know if you remember this. We have Philip Montoro on, the uh, reader, music editor. Uh, he was talking uh, with Lior about the, some of the great uh, songs from Chicago. It was a show we did a couple of years ago. And he mentioned something called Prague Rock. And I was like, I, I didn't know what Prague Rock was. I go, and if I don't know it, I think, well, there must be some listeners out there who don't know it. So one of the things I like to do is make sure everybody knows like, the basics. So, Philip, could you explain Prague Rock? He looked at me like... <laughs> <laughs> that look on his face was priceless. Are you kidding me? You bleeping idiot. You don't know what prog rock. So I know there's things I don't know. Okay. And I'm saying that was the point. I put it out there on my Facebook page comes this following message. Dear Ben Jarofsky, I am a boomer white lady. And I sang along to all the halftime songs. I only watched the halftime. How do you not know those songs? They're oldies. It's not my main go-to for music, but they were all huge hits. I'm from Bridgeport, and not surprised that someone in their 30s from the Burbs or out of state doesn't know who the Notorious Dailies are were. Remember, they stopped teaching civics and history in many of our schools. And then, D, the, the, the people weighing in. Okay. And by the way, no link to the story. Okay. I was going to say, that, wasn't, that didn't sound so bad, but I guess it gets worse as the comments go well, along. Yeah. Uh, whoa. What happened? Some lady wrote in. What did this guy post that got you fired up? What did this guy post that got you fired up? And then we're going to write. He has a column and the reader and a podcast. And there's a picture 
a picture, D, mm-hmm. of uh, the newsletter I wrote. And then uh, this lady writes in, Jarofsky should stick to the local politics and education. <laughs> <D>. <laughs> yes. Just shut up and write another <laughs> tip story. I don't want it. I want to expand. I told you to write another school story, which I'm not going to read because I don't really care about it. That's the, I write all those school stories. And the lady and the 30-year-old in the suburbs didn't even read them. Uh, who wrote this? Melissa? <laughs> hey, could you help a guy out spread the news? I think you should keep going. I think, you know, just keep doing other articles about things you don't get or understand. <laughs> Come on. So, keep uh, trolling them. Let's go. So anyway, here's the thing. It goes on and on. Then they then they kind of go off topic and start talking about the halftime show and how much they love Eminem and Snoop and et cetera and so forth. M&Ms are delicious. They kind of forget about me, uh, just uh, other than the lady who said, shut up and write about schools. She, they kind of treat you a little the way Lori Lightfoot treats teachers. Shut up, get back in that classroom and cash your paycheck. And if you get COVID, don't worry. It's just like the flu. I got the feeling. Here's the problem, Moti. At no point in this exchange did anyone put the link to the freaking story. So they're all making comments about something they knew nothing about. They didn't even link. And I was like, oh, my dream of having international fame and fortune as a podcaster, becoming the next Joe Rogan. This could have been the first step, D, except they didn't put a link to the show. What's the point of having your culture canceled if they don't show you the culture they're canceling i mean i thought someone like called you a shithead or something i you know I, no the, that, on, that was very a, that was very mild uh you know cancel this culture. is a very high class outfit okay it's facebook <laughs> they're not gonna call me a wait i guess this is not going on lumpen radio they're not gonna call me a shithead <laughs> <laughs> they may feel that way but i'll tell you what very interesting observation i'm just making you notice when it came to the 30-year-old uh, suburbanite who did not know, had never heard of the dailies, had gone through 30 years of existence without having heard of the dailies, she's excused because they don't teach civic lessons in the schools. She's like, oh, what half time did they perform at, the dailies? <laughs> That's okay. It's the school's fault when she doesn't know who the dailies. But when I don't know any of the songs at the halftime show, do you think she says, don't worry about it, Ben? They didn't teach Eminem when you were a little scholar at Nichols Junior High or at Evanston Township High School. They didn't teach you the greatest hits of Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. No, it's like, you blithering idiot. You should know them because I know them. And if I know them, you should know them. I mean, it was on the radio pretty heavily. Oh, <laughs> Unlike multiple stations, like he yes. he crossed like genres. It was weird. He was on the rock station and the uh, rap station. Which like, one? Yeah, uh, in like in Chicago and no, St. Louis. Which oh, which M- which performer? Eminem. Oh, okay. I was aware of the existence of Eminem. I just got to tell you this, Steve. I was aware of the existence. Oh, no, whoa, whoa. Don't get it twisted. To quote Norm. All right. I was aware of the existence of Eminem. My kids went through an Eminem phase. I remember when watching him with Elton John. I had opinions about like he was on the stage. I don't see probably something you don't know about when he was he shared a stage with Elton John. Yeah, absolutely. With, 
What was the song for 10 trivia points? Uh, Stan. Stan's wow. song. I got to give you credit. And now, <laughs> then it was like, that's how I learned about Stan. And now everybody like, like when you really want to be cool, you know, on Twitter, you go, those are Stan's. <laughs> you know, because they, like, they call me a Stan because I love the Bulls. You know what I'm saying? He's like, oh, like, that's not a good thing. People always got to feel the need to distinguish themselves from by putting the other person down. So I'm a real, like knowledgeable person of basketball. I'm not a Stan. You're just a Stan. <laughs> anyway, so I was aware of him. And I was aware of all of Snoop Dogg. How can you not be aware of Snoop? I mean, the, the, the existence. Okay? I just don't know. So, so I, it's like I, I'm aware of them, all those performers. Well, that's what I'm saying. The songs. But, they were on the radio okay. like very but heavily. The j- juror in but, the suburbs wasn't even aware of the dailies. So she, I mean, come on. Well, they don't have any cool rap songs. <laughs> of course. Let me ask you this. And everybody knows Dr. D is her downstate correspondent. If you ask random people in the streets of Alton, Illinois, right now, who is the mayor of the city of Chicago? Do you think 10% would know? If it would be one out of 10, two out of 10? Yeah, like one out of 10, maybe two. Well, that's I, even then. Lori Lightfoot is just not on the same stature. They probably say JB Pritzker. Yeah, Pritzker. <laughs> damn it. Oh. Anyway, so I just want to uh, thank Maureen for a reading uh, and uh, you know reacting, responding. Uh, but the next time you do it, even if you hate it, post it. Okay, <laughs> post the link. Oh, yeah, the other lady writes, yeah, he's a columnist. Oh, why don't you put the link to the column? (laughs) You're going to rip me. Anyway, the other big news uh, that happened while I was gone, it's it's big news on our show. (laughs) That that was major news there, that uh, comment on (laughs) Facebook. I mean, that's that's breaking as it gets. I was walking around California going, they're ripping me and they're not putting the link in. Everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy. You know, just total strangers. Hey, by the way, you want to find people who've never heard of Daily? Go to California. Who? <laughs> Chicago, it's cold. That's what they know about Chicago. I bet that juror in the suburbs knew that Chicago was cold. Anyway, uh, some people bothered it way, way in saying they can't believe that she didn't know who Daily was. I don't know, D. Uh, it, I try to make light of it, but it is very frustrating uh, to talk in general about politics. And maybe, remember, what was it? Like, people say, it was, I think it was you. You were going, there was no need to explain who somebody was. Remember, we, it was a show, and uh, so, uh, you made reference to somebody. I forget what I can't remember. Hmm. I go, and then I explained who the person was. And you go, you know, everybody knows who that person is. I go, oh, yeah? Okay. Oh, who was that? I can't remember. Hmm. Memory is a freaky thing. Uh, but anyway, while I was uh, out in California, Great column, great uh, story in the uh, Chicago Tribune. I'm going to shout out to Jeremy Gorner uh, and Megan Jones. And uh, I'm pretty sure uh, that absolutely nobody except for political junkies like myself uh, read it. But I wish you would read it, folks. And we're going to get into some of these issues with Monroe, uh, who's joined us. Uh, And it has to do with Richard Irvin, who could be the next governor of the state of Illinois. He's got the backing of the state's richest man. Uh, and that would be Kenny G, Kenneth Griffin, 
as uh, supporting Richard Rubin has plucked him from obscurity. Nobody had ever heard of him except for real political junkies. I mean, beyond me, political junkies like Rich Miller and Shia Kapos. They're the only people that ever heard of Richard Irvin, mayor the of Aurora. citizens of, of Aurora. Aurora. And even then, Monroe, even then, as we've learned, as we've learned not everybody knows, even then, you know? You mean in Aurora they don't know who the mayor well, we were just having a discussion before you came on, like the yeah. level of knowledge that average citizens have about politics. And uh, so there, what's, what triggered it was my dismay that there was a juror in the uh, the Patrick Daly Thompson case who did not never heard of the to- Daly's, and uh, the most significant political family in the city of Chicago. And uh, people point out to me, Ben, she's from the suburbs, um, so she would not know the Daly's. My guess is. If you do not know, if you're a suburbanite who does not know the name of the dailies, you probably don't know the name of your town's mayor. I yeah. bet you, you do not know. The, in fact, I bet you right now, Monroe, you and I go to Evanston, yeah, my beloved hometown, and yeah. stand on the corner of Church and Chicago Avenue, which is right. downtown Evanston, right. and ask random passerbys who the mayor of Evanston is. I Bet you we get lucky 50% know who the mayor of Evanston is. Uh, I, I would be shocked if that, I, I'm sure there's somebody somewhere who would know, but I can't imagine that in, in, in Evanston. Let's do it. Of course, I don't know who the mayor is, but I don't live in Evanston. You don't know the mayor of Evanston? No. You, you actually, the name will mean, do you know who the mayor of Gary is these days? Your hometown? No. no. I can't keep them. They keep changing them. <laughs> That's something. We got these things called elections. When Hatcher was the mayor, I knew. Richard Hatcher. Even I knew Richard Hatcher. I knew Thomas Barnes. There's, I knew the mayors of Gary. Yeah, no, um, I knew Barnes, yeah. Yeah, but uh, anyway, it's Daniel Biss is the mayor of Evanston. He ran for governor uh, in 2018 against uh, Pritzker. Uh, so anyway, so nobody knew who Richard Irvin was. Uh, and then K- Kenneth Griffin said, oh, this would be an outstanding man to run against Pritzker. Uh, he, we're going to get the, um, get him to run, uh, at Pritzker on the anti-crime package and the Tribune reporter, very enterprising reporters, uh, went through, uh, Irvin's career as a, uh, criminal defense lawyer. He's a criminal defense lawyer. He was only a prosecutor, uh, for five years, Monroe. But if you see his commercials, which I know you've seen his commercials, because yes. they're airing around the clock pretty much, right, right. Uh, you would think that he spent his entire life as a cop and a prosecutor. He's never right. been a police officer. Right. Like, remember the, how the commercials begin? Like you see civil unrest. Uh, there's violence. There's, there's uh, arson, looters, like fuzzy in the background. And then. It's like Richard Irvin saying, we cracked down on him. You would think that like he himself was on the front lines with, with, with like, yeah. you know, he, riot gear. He, yeah, he was. No, no riot gear. He's, he's tougher than that. Yeah. Riot gear is for sissies. <laughs> <laughs> he's bare chested. Right, you know, exactly. right. Wrestling with him. Come here. Allah Putin. Allah <laughs> Putin. We'll get into Putin. By the way, this brings me back. I mean, again, showing my baby boomer roots during the days of rage. Um, which 1969 riots in the streets of Chicago, uh, Richard Elrod, a young Richard Elrod, who was uh, then a, I forget what he was, I think he was a lawyer for the city. Uh, 
defending the city. Remember this, like he was, they positioned it as a defense of the city, tackled one of the uh, weathermen rioters and ended up paralyzing himself. Yeah. He hit his head against her. I think it was his head against a, a drain pipe and mayor, da- then mayor Daly. Okay. That was a different mayor Daly. Right. Most exactly. powerful mayor, which yeah. apparently that news hasn't reached the suburbs. Uh, then mayor Daly got the, uh, feds uh, or got the state's attorney. This is how things worked in the city of Chicago. Then they got tough. They, uh, prosecuted the guy, the weatherman that Elrod had tackled for assault. Yeah. Uh, and then they launched a career for Elrod. He became sheriff. Uh, you know, I, I met Elrod. The, I encountered Elrod the year before as an intern at Newsweek when I was covering the DNC, the night of the DNC. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were on the corner of LaSalle and Clark Street. And somebody had set a fire in a trash can there. And Elrod was there. And he very huffily kicked over the trash can so that the fire would go out. Yeah. You know, he's, you know tough guy. Yeah, tough guy. Yeah. yeah. DNC, Democratic National Convention, 68, police fighting hippie protesters in the streets of Chicago. That's what yes. uh, Monroe got whacked in the head a few times. It, well, everywhere. I got whacked. Yeah, right. <laughs> there are those who say it knocked some sense into him. Uh, <laughs> but obviously it didn't because he then went on to pursue a career in journalism. You figured, Monroe, if they knock some sense in you, become a banker. You'd be so rich right now. <laughs> no, he said, oh, I like this. Getting kicked in the head. I think no, right. they, it, it injected the, the, the ink in my blood. God help you, man. Uh, so anyway, that's a, the thing about uh, what Richard Irvin is doing is trying to do a daily deal with Richard Elrod. So Daly propped up Richard Elrod as this courageous like protector of the public who hurt himself uh, defending the citizens of Chicago from these rampaging leftists. And uh, he got a career out of it as a sheriff. I forget how long he was a sheriff. He was a sheriff into the 80s. So uh, uh, did Richard, he? The, yeah, no. Now, did yeah he did? I guess he was injured after he had um, the Bright Panther murder. No, no, okay, here we go. I can't believe I know this stuff. Yeah, uh, this is why they say I'm a political nerd. So, in 1969, was it okay? The, um, the Days of Rage was a riot by the weathermen in the streets of Chicago at the outset of the Chicago Seven a conspiracy trial, which was a federal trial. Uh, of uh, anti-war activists uh, who were uh, charged with crossing state lines to incite a riot during the Democratic National Convention. And at the outset of that trial, uh, the really far, far, far left, I would say, uh, insane faction of the Students for Democratic Society uh, went on a riot in the streets of Chicago, was breaking windows, etc. cetera. Uh, and it was, it was a similar. Elrod went out in the streets and confronted uh, somebody, uh, one of the rioters, and tackled him. And while doing that, uh, that's when he hurt himself. So it was at at the start of the Chicago Seven trial that it happened, which was right before the police and the state's attorney, and the FBI, um, conspired to kill Fred Hampton. 
So he, so he wasn't standing there directing the cop. No, no, he had nothing to do with that. Uh, he had nothing to do with the raid. Uh, first of all, he was a relatively uh, lowly city lawyer. Uh, and um, But Daly elevated him in stature. Mayor, the old man, Mayor Daly, elevated him in stature um, by virtue of the fact he got hurt. So he tried to turn him into this courageous victim of the riot. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and this is sort of what Irvin is trying to do position himself as this courageous protector of the public uh, against rampaging leftists, Antifa, Black Lives Matter protesters. You know what I'm saying? Clearly, Monroe, the focus groups are telling the Republicans that white people are ready for a backlash. And if you want to ride that backlash to victory, blast Black Lives Matter, blast Antifa, say you're standing up to looters, and you'll win over white votes. Obviously, that's what the focus groups must be showing, Monroe. Otherwise, you wouldn't see Republican candidates from one end of the country to the other running on such campaigns. Yeah, but this up, they've done that over and over and over again. I mean, they've basically always done that in one form or another. They're just doing it thanks to Trump. Now they're doing it more vociferously yes. than they have in the past. Well, they're doubling down because in 2014, you're right, uh, this is standard 101 tactics. You're absolutely correct of a uh, Republican strategist. And you and I have been talking about this, Monroe. We talked about this in the summer of 2020 when we were watching uh, riots and looting. And, and I think it was you who said it. You go, look out, a backlash is coming. A backlash. You predicted it. A backlash is coming. And right. We both lived through backlashes. Right. 1968 was the classic one. I elected. In fact, I'm going to have to give you credit. I'm going to write a column. I'm going to have to give you credit for this one. You predicted it. A backlash is coming, and we're seeing that backlash. Now, what's unique about this one, Monroe, and uh, compared to the earlier backlashes of the 70s, and get your thoughts on this, they're employing black people as the sort of the spokespeople of the backlash. Think about it. Uh, Richard Irvin's position. He's a black man, mayor of Aurora. Yeah. And that's something that I don't, I can't recall seeing uh, in the seventies with backlash campaigns. Do you recall seeing this before? This is relatively a new strategy. Don't you think? Yeah. It's, it's, um, I mean, there've always been uncle Tom's, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I mean, there were a few people during slavery that sided with the massa and, and didn't want freedom. So, I mean, there's always been a, a, some some black people like that. There were there were there were some black slave owners even back during the not many, but um, white people who are of the uh, conservative side. Will talk, tell you about the black slave masters and about how um, how there was there were black people who were happy to be here instead of Africa, even if they were slaves, because it was better here than in Africa. So I mean, there's this whole narrative that um, white people like to spin, and they there are always some black folks who are willing to be an accomplice to that. Yeah. 
Well, this could be our next governor. Lots of money is behind him. He's not uh, going to be our next governor. Well, you know, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. bet on it in Vegas, but Monroe has a lot of money coming out of this race. Doesn't and uh, doesn't matter. He's not. He's not likable. Well, one thing he is not is consistent. And uh, this is the part of the story that I found fascinating. He was a prosecutor for only five years of his career, from 1998 to 2003. Uh, and then since then, he's been a criminal defense lawyer. And uh, he, some of his clients are the type of defendants that he is now railing against. Uh, he's, they're, they're the type of defendants that he is saying he cracks down on. Uh, and, uh, you know, including people who have been uh, charged uh, with assault, domestic violence, et cetera, and so forth. And this leads me to this my, my question to you, Monroe. The Republicans, as I said, have uh, never been reluctant to employ backlash politics against Democrats running really strident commercials talking about how the Democrats are too easy on crime and are letting people go uh, and trying to really scare voters. And the most infinite uh, uh, example of this type is the Willie Horton campaign uh, commercial that uh, George Bush uh, aired against Michael Dukakis in the 60, uh, in the 1988 presidential election. Yeah. So do you think Democrats should try to capitalize uh, on Richard Irvin's career as a criminal defense lawyer by running Willie Horton-style commercials against him? Or should Democrats make like Michelle Obama and take the high road uh, and just stick to the issues? Monroe Anderson, the floor is yours. It's, it's not the high road. It's, uh, it's, it wouldn't be the high road right on this uh I don't think the Willie Horton, it would be out of character for the Democrats to do that. Uh, and the, the people who want law and order, you know, they, 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 don't, they don't care if uh, some black man used to uh, look, look out for his people and is willing to sell out and turn, it, uh, turn, turn, turn them in now. It just shows that he's come to his senses. That he's free from the plantation. That's that's it's Orwellian. But you know, this is what they do. They talk about black people who are Democrats on the Democratic the Democrat. Sorry, not Democratic. The Democrat plantation, and and those that side with them against black people are free thinkers. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I, um, I don't think uh, the Democrats uh, should employ Willie Horton style commercials. I think should, they should go. Uh, I don't think anybody should employ them. I think that we should uh, have our eyes on a more. What do I put this uh, on the aftermath of a real contentious uh, campaign and the difficulties and the stridencies of dealing uh, with sensational commercials that provoke fear in people. But the reality is, Monroe, that's me speaking as an idealist. And yeah. I, I've watched my 
you and I have both watched this Democrats moving right uh, because they're afraid of being out of step of where the public is, right. the voting public is. Right. And you saw that in the 90s with the get tough on crime bill. Right. Uh, which, which Biden is still apologizing for. Which he's still apologizing for. Right. Uh, and and then the cynicism of Republicans who talk about uh, how Hillary Clinton talked about uh, predators. Right. Uh, and, uh, and and, and it, it helped it helped Trump beat her. Yes, it did. Or helped her lose to Trump as an yes. Yeah. Uh, so. so so the moral to the story is that as a Democrat, you shouldn't you shouldn't fall into that camp. You shouldn't fall for that nonsense. Um, you know, it's like with the with the bail reform movement that's going on now. Yeah. Every time somebody gets arrested or shot that was um, on was released because they could be not paying bail uh, and, and was released, then it becomes an issue for right wingers on the um, liberal bail tactic where they're just letting all these people out. Now, the truth of the matter is, and this is how we, we really need to look at it, is that those people who got out and committed a crime are 2% of the people who um, have been released without having to pay bail because they couldn't afford to pay the bail. So... The question is, do you punish 98% of the people for what 2% of the people are going to do? Do you just wipe it out completely? And, and that's the discussion that um, needs to be held. Not, oh, my God, this guy, if they just kept him in jail, he wouldn't have done what he did. By the way, discussion, that's such a rational word. And so if there's any like discussion when it comes to crime, you know what I'm saying, Monroe? Right. Not, I can't think of a, dis, a civil dis, discussion implies civility. Discussion implies people listening to one another uh, and not speaking until the other person's finished. Discussion implies not calling each other names and, you know. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. You know, and, and the problem is when, when I first started at Channel 2 back in uh, 19. 89. A couple of years later, we got this general manager, Bill Applegate, who um, his approach to news was if it leads, it bleeds. Mm, yeah. And so he'd have, we'd, on our air, Channel 2, we'd have six or seven shoot 'em up stories on every night. And that's what's happening now on all the stations in Chicago. Is that's all you're hearing about is um, crime, mm. and so it's, um, white people in Chicago are afraid to death, and some black folks too. And well, like I said, know, yeah, and if you just show people yeah, guns, um, people getting shot, and people being robbed mm-hmm. in, in a city of, of, of more than two million people, then at some point it's, it's going to become an issue. Well, we're at that point right now, and uh, you said there's no way that J.P. Prisker will lose to Richard Irvin. First of all, I don't even know if Richard Irvin's going to get out of the uh, Republican primary. Right. Uh, he's got a lot of problems dealing with MAGA, and and uh, we will be talking about them, and I'll be writing about them. I find it fascinating, this uh, internal division in the Republican Party. Uh, 
between uh, MAGA, the true believers, the base, uh, and, and the folks who finance the party uh, and want to are trying to don't really don't really share MAGA's passions, uh, but don't want to don't want to uh, contradict MAGA, don't want to go against them on any issue because they need those votes. So that's this little game they're playing where they're saying just enough, just throwing just enough red meat to MAGA to get them, keep them fired up, but not too much. Right. Not just not too much. So you don't upset the swing voters they need. I find it's their their Frankenstein monster. Uh, You know, and, and, and that's the problem is that they like, uh, the passion of MAGA, as long as it's controlled. Yeah. But it's get it's gotten out of hand. I mean, there you know, we it's it's conceivable that we could have a another civil war here. That's how passionate these people are. And with Trump drumming them on, uh, we're not that far. There could be an incident that sparks that. And it wouldn't be like the old Civil War, the first Civil War, where it's territorial. It would be more like an insurrection, where the MAGA people would be shooting at um, minorities and at um, authorities, you know, police or what have you. They would, they and and politicians. It would be that sort of war, and that would be that. That would really be horrible. For us, well, I I struggle with that one, Monroe. I don't I don't know if we're at the point where uh, a civil war. I would my tendency is to disagree with you on that. Yeah. Then I think about <clears throat> excuse me, just basic attitudes and something. We'll get into uh, Trump and Putin and uh, what's happening in Ukraine and the Russia uh, massing troops at the border and uh, looking to take and, advantage. And the, and the truckers are on their way to D.C. right now. Okay, and that's what I was going to get into. Yeah. Uh, and it's just really <laughs> fascinating. I guess that's the word I'm using here. The contrasting attitudes about law and order uh, that – uh, that MAGA has uh, in regards uh, to the uh, truckers in Canada who are protesting uh, in the streets of Ottawa and blocking the economy uh, and their attitude toward Black Lives Matter protesters. You follow me? Or, for that matter, their attitude uh, toward Putin on the verge of invading uh, Ukraine has sending in uh, thousands of Russian troops to claim territory that he believes uh, is rightfully uh, Russia's. And there's no consistency uh, on on these um, on these issues, M- Monroe. You, supposedly, the party that's against uh, that's for liberty would not be in favor of Putin invading another country, and yet. They're either indifferent or they're rooting for Putin. Right. And supposedly the uh, the party that believes so much in law and order and protecting property rights and is outraged by rioting and looting would be really upset at truckers who, I don't know, how long were they blocking uh, the main passageway between? At least, at least a week. A yeah. week. At least a week, shutting down the economy, putting people right. out of work. Right. You talk about private property. There were trucks that couldn't get their supplies. Private property. 
talk about free markets, right? You know it, and yet when I see the fact that it's it's not a principle stand, it's just like they pick a side and they hate the other side. Then I think you know because Monroe, you've been talking about civil war for a while, right. and I think. No, it's you may be right, and, and it goes back to the roots of the last civil war. It's, it's racial, you know. These guys, I mean, they they like Trump because Trump is a racist, a white nationalist, and so his position appeals to them because um, they. It's it, this whole U- Ukrainian thing is going to be really interesting. When, it, when the war breaks out, because as a general rule, particularly in America, white people don't like people that kill white people. And the Ukrainians are white. And so <laughs> when you start getting video of all those white women and white children murdered or um, injured, then um, there's going to be confusion in this country, you know, because they don't mind it if the people are black, brown, or yellow. In fact, they applaud it. But when this is some white people that look like them on those stretchers and in those body bags, it's going to be really interesting how they react to that. They may not be as much of a fan of Putin's then as they are now. Well, right now, uh, Monroe, uh, the right MAGA is total. It seems to be completely in Putin's camp. Right. You know that Tucker Carlson on Fox has been championing uh, Putin's position. Uh, I know that there's uh, cries uh, from Republican senators, et cetera, and so forth. Stay out. Uh, don't get involved in any way. I don't see any rallying of support from the right. Uh, to support Joe Biden, President Biden's position. Right, no, they're criticizing uh, him. They're criticizing him. Uh, and then uh, your favorite uh, ex-president, uh, Donald Trump, went on uh, the Clay Travis and uh, Buck Sexton podcast the other day, uh, which provoked Monroe into a real funny <laughs> wisecrack before we went on the air. Trump is so desperate uh, to have an audience that, Pretty soon it'll be coming on the Ben Jarofsky show. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Hi, Ben. Hi, Monroe. Yeah, right. I know. It'll be on my segment. So it'll be me and Trump going toe to toe. It'd be hilarious. Uh, and uh, he comes on the, the Clay Travis show the other day and defends Putin, who says he's brilliant. Uh, and then this is the part that I read. Monroe and I it just Trump says so much outrageous stuff that you just overlook it. Right. He said Putin is creating a model that he Trump should follow with our southern border. Yes. In other words, claim I I claim Mexico as American territory and send in troops. Well, he, he, well, the thing is, the, the the brilliance he thought Trump did. Of what Putin did was Putin said he was going in as a peacemaker. Yes. And so Trump didn't spell it out. But my guess is that what Trump was trying to say was that uh, when he becomes president again, 
he will send troops into Mexico because they have all the shootings going on there. But to stop the the people from coming across the border, he'll send troops into Mexico to keep the peace. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the point is is that he takes a look at what uh, Putin is doing. He sees it as a model for what right. he might emulate uh, in Mexico with right. a a large, a largely inflated threat at our southern border. At the same time, he's supporting the truckers who have closed the northern border. He's not talking about massing troops on the northern border to protect the flow of economic, you know, of goods. Uh, across the border, you know what I'm saying? He's like right. supporting the truckers, shutting right. down the economy. So this is when I hear this kind of rhetoric. I'm like, well, is Trump just shooting off his mouth without even thinking about what he's saying, just to say something without having any intention no, whatsoever no, you, you of know, delivering for, it? Yeah, you're forgetting he's a narcissist. So and so, anything that um, flatters him or tells him how great he is, uh, um, he likes doesn't matter whether it's against everything that makes sense or anything that's American or what have you. I mean, this is this is how Ching and Kim and Putin all played him because they would say, they would whisper sweet nothings in his ear, and he went for it big time. Well, yeah. I actually thought with uh, uh, in the case of North Korea, he thought he was really angling for a um, Nobel. He wanted uh, a peace prize. He was so jealous with Obama. I mean, this is the narcissism raging. Yeah, right. So, oh, yeah. You know, I, mean, uh, <laughs> I know I'll make peace. <laughs> I'll go to it's just like it didn't even happen. You know what I'm saying, Monroe? Right. There was just no aftermath to it. It was so bizarre when it did happen. Uh, I remember when Nixon went right. to China. That opened up our international right. relations with China uh, right. and trade deals emerged years later. It was like a, a result. Something came up. Right. Our, our, our Reagan went to uh, Russia, the Soviet Union, you know, to, to that area. And you did the tear down this wall and what have you. Uh, something happened. The war, wall did get tore down. Now, the, the way Reagan pulled it off was we outspent the Soviet Union and broke them, and also American media. You know they yeah, were and- on TV and um, all, all, all these great um, TV shows. You know and movies. You know, for example, Lois Lane lived much better than your average run-of-the-mill reporter. You know, she had this really nice <laughs> penthouse apartment in New York City. <laughs> if I'd known her, I would have moved to New York and had me one of those. <laughs> That's a valid point. Anyway, uh, all right, so uh, Trump's on uh, this uh, podcast, uh, the Clay Travis Buck Sexton Show, uh, and says that uh, Putin's brilliant. Uh, and that he's given him an idea to uh, justify invading Mexico by declaring, saying he's doing it to uh, uh, to crack down a crime and protect the public. Uh, so this is the rhetoric he's throwing out to MAGA. How deep do you think that rhetoric goes with the people in this country? Like, how deep do you think of people applauding Trump talking about invading Mexico? Go ahead. I, well, I don't think that they're um, into invading Mexico yet. Uh, 
because they're just they need their their president in exile reinstalled first. And they're wherever he wants to go. If if they uh, continue their cult like admiration of him, they'll go with it. You know because Putin uh, Putin uh, five years ago was the enemy, and now he's not. And if, well, but we'll see what this when this war when the bombing start the bombs start dropping, and you get televised um, visions of what's going on there that all these people are dying, and for what? Uh, then I believe that the tide will turn, because like I said, it'd be white people dying. And um, white people don't like to see white people die. Well, it's a pretty horrific situation when uh, our country is so split this way. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're facing potential uh, war atrocities in uh, Ukraine. Uh, and our, our country, just our representatives, our senators, it's not even the issue of like discussing which kinds of responses we should uh, America should have you know how far should we go in terms of military uh, assistance or how much how much of a, 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 a we should do in terms of boycotting uh, Russian economy and uh, putting embargoes on etc and so forth it's not even a discussion of whether you know what our response should be it's basically there's half the country or at least the leading op- opposition party in the country right now is on Putin's side. Well, they're split. You know, they're, they're, they're sort of split. I mean, they, they also are critical of Biden for not doing more sooner because they need to criticize Biden. So he should have sent more weapons. Some of them are saying he should have sent more weapons in sooner. That he's been, his response has been too paltry. But then you have Trump saying that um, what what Putin did was brilliant, and that if he had been president, <laughs> Putin would have done it. <laughs> and then you have Putin, of course, who's I mean, somebody's uh, said that um, basically Putin is a a senile old man. <laughs> he's sixty nine. Putin is, but that he's he's senile. And crazy, and what he's doing makes no sense whatsoever. He's he's going against reality, you know, because basically what he's trying to do is make Russia great again. Mm-hmm. And um, this is modern times, different times. Everything gets televised. Yeah, and and you know when 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 when. Russia last um, had a major um, invasion of the country. You had newsreels that would show up at the movies. You had to go to a movie to see them, basically. Uh, now you can see it while it's happening. Every, everybody has a, a cell phone with, with video. And so it's, it's, when this horror starts, it's really going to be bad. 
and Russia has kept RT, Russia TV, has been giving them the, the party line and the propaganda, the Russians. So they, they're they not getting the real picture, but they will, especially when the, the soldiers start coming home in body bags yeah. to the villages. Well, th- listen, uh, there's the, the horror of a war uh, and atrocities and what's going to happen to Ukraine uh, and Russian soldiers, yeah. etc. and so forth. And then there's the play out here in America, political yeah. play out. Right. Where each side tries to use this uh, this horror uh, to, to its own political ad- advantage, and so what? There's two. We're t- we, you and I are focusing at the moment right now on what the fallout will be here in the United States, and how will the Republicans and MAGA try to play this? And you're absolutely correct, Monroe, when you say right now there are divided, their message is divided. I was listening to you and I was thinking, yeah, it's a divided message right there. On one hand, you got Trump saying, Putin's brilliant. I'm thinking of doing the same thing to Mexico. And then on the other hand, you have Trump and his acolytes saying, this would never happen if I were president. Like, what the just the, <laughs> it's I mean, it's such an absurd contradiction within like one sentence. Right. You know, you, right. <laughs> and one party and one party. Right. It's a, it, the reality strikes it's, and the way Russia traditionally now they there is there's another possibility on how they're going to do the Putin's going to do this. But if he goes all out. They're going to bomb the living daylights out of Kiev, and it's a it's a it's a city the size of Chicago. Yeah, and they've already been taking insurrectionist um, lessons, and so even after um, the Russians have killed tens of thousands of people and leveled a lot of buildings, urban warfare is different from other warfare. So you're going to have um, Ukrainians, armed Ukrainians in all these buildings shooting at Russian soldiers every chance they get. And you have some grandmothers in Ukraine who have been taking shooting lessons. And, and they're, they're committed to fighting an insurrectionist war. So it's just going to be a mess. The, the biggest problem with all this is with any major violent confrontations there are unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. And so my biggest concern is that we could end up in World War III, although nobody planned on it. And um, Biden, Biden said of Putin, uh, he has no friends but nukes. And that's the problem. He does have nukes. Yeah. I, um, I don't see... The United States in the war here, and uh, it's a very divided country in this issue. The United States is. I don't see that happening. Uh, what I see is the United States looking away. Like, there's a certain amount of helplessness that the United States has anyway. Yeah. And you and I have lived through. Uh, but the they. It, of youth, yeah, but they can't. In the 90s. Yeah, Do you remember that? Because of NATO, they can't look. We can't look away. If, if Putin successfully takes over Ukraine with 190,000 troops, he's not going to say, okay, mission accomplished, you can come home now. He's going to try to go into Poland. 
or one of the other NATO countries. The, the excuse we have now where we don't have to put troops in the Ukraine is that they're not part of NATO. Mm. But we can't not do NATO. The other factor on this is the Chinese are watching this whole deal go down because they want Taiwan back. And so if we cave on um, NATO, then they're going to take Taiwan and just boom, just like that. I'm going to have to. Yeah. I would disagree with you on this one. You're starting to sound like the old domino theory people from back in the day. Uh, when you no, this, were, is not, this is this is not a domino. It's both both leaders, Putin and Ching, have said they want those things back. Yeah. And, they're and, good. And, 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 you know, so it's not a, a domino in the sense of it's theoretical. It's it's it's. Okay, this is our opportunity. I'm going to take it. But I don't believe uh, that China, their leadership, takes a look at the United States reaction uh, in Ukraine and makes a decision on what it's going to do uh, with what it considers its own interests. And uh, in reality, I think that most leaders have come to the realization that the United States, the days of the United States uh, confronting other superpowers is largely over. Right. Uh, and, and there'll be dr- drone strikes, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, but there's not going to be all-out mass war like we saw when we were kids. Yeah, but I'm not 60s. talking about a mass war between China. I'm, I'm saying that China, if we, if, if we do nothing in, in um, Europe, then China is going to come down on Taiwan. And I'm saying that China will make that decision based on a whole bunch of factors uh, that largely are we are irrelevant in regards to. That's what I believe. I believe that there's only so much power that the United States has uh, that the world that you're describing is a world that existed when we were kids uh, and that as baby boomers were sort of still de- we still locked into that worldview. But in reality, it's changed. Uh, the, the United States is so divided right now, Monroe. Again, the portion, there's the leading, the number two party in the country is more or less split as to which side they're on. Yeah, I know. I mean, that is, it's so, it, right. I mean, but, but they'll, for some reason, they've, they've designated China as the enemy, which is right. fascinating. Right. If, if racism isn't an embedded in this one, I don't know. China's the enemy, right? When it does stuff that Putin does, which they gets cheered for, right? So, and Canadian truckers are heroes <laughs> when they take what Black Lives Matter did to the next extreme, right? So, it's it's a really topsy turvy world right now, Monroe, and I'm I'm having it's a challenge to keep track of it. Yeah, I know, and it's, yeah. it's it's unpredictable. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 like that old um, Chinese curse: "May you live in diff- interesting times." Yeah. Uh, all right, let's shift back to the United States and um, uh, the news out of Georgia uh, that uh, the uh, McMichaels and William Bob. Brian, Brian, have, yeah, William, Brian have been uh, 
convicted on charges of uh, race crimes. Right. And my God, Monroe, I just think you said something to me before we went on the air. Uh, if William Bryan had not videotaped the shooting of uh, Ahmad Arbery, yes. none of this would have happened. No. They, they, they still would be uh, out, out, out in the country in, in Georgia <laughs> bragging about how they got rid of one of them. It's so bizarre, Monroe, because uh, this is happening while we're having a discussion in our country over what is history and what is fact uh, and whether we should teach uh, history of race uh, in schoolrooms or whether that would be too offensive and upsetting to white children. This is happening, <laughs> unfolding. Right. Yeah, I mean, because this was was a, uh, Aubrey's situation was a, a lynching without a rope. It was a lynching by shotgun, but it was a lynching still. Uh, and this is, not, this is 2021 when this happened. Not 1955, as was Emmett Till. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I'm glad that uh, they were uh, vigorous in the prosecution. Uh, and, um, and, and that's the first time, this is a historical, this is the first time in Georgia that you got white men sentenced for a racist act. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we we may be helpless uh, to do much about anything about the atrocities that are, I fear, are about to happen uh, in Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, but we, at least we should take care of stuff at home. Right. Uh, God, we're running out of time. I'd love to launch into a whole conversation about uh, how we handle crime and justice. We'll go, that'll be plenty of time for that uh, in future shows. But I have to close with this. Uh, in addition, uh, Joe Biden interviewed three candidates to fill the vacancy at the Supreme Court uh, and uh, Stephen Breyer stepping down and uh, three black women. So he's making good on his promise, Monroe, to... Uh, uh, fill the vacancy with a black woman. Jim, uh, uh, James Clyburn, the congressman from South Carolina, has endorsed one, Michelle Childs, a South Carolina judge. Right. He's pushing hard for her. And this would be the ultimate sign that Clyburn re re really is the unofficial vice president of the United States uh, if Biden goes with him. Uh, what's your early prediction on who Biden will select to fill this vacancy? I, um, it could be any of the three. I mean, they all have positive attributes and all are highly qualified. But I think it's going to be, I, God, it's not going to be the woman in California and it's not going to be Childs. It's going to be the, uh, you've been saying Brown Jackson, Kanji Brown Jackson. You've been, yeah, you've been on that bandwagon yeah. for a while. You think Joe Biden, so how do you think Joe Biden's going to break the news to James Clyburn? Is he going to call him beforehand to let him know? Or is he just going to... Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. He'll let him know beforehand. And another reason that Childs probably is not going to get this is because Lindsey Graham likes her also. 
And he, he says that um, he would vote for her. The other two, eh, not so sure. And so Biden doesn't want to look like he's, while on one hand he's going to, he would like to make Clyburn happy. He doesn't want to look like um, Graham is picking his, 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 his people for his, his Supreme Court nominee. I mean, that's well, a factor. It's not the factor, but it's a factor. All right. Uh, for the sake of debate. Yeah, uh, I'm going to predict uh, Michelle Childs will be the nominee. I'm going to predict that Joe Biden is going to go back to that. Uh, we all get along Republicans and Democrats moment. And he's going to really enjoy the fact that uh, Lindsey Graham uh, and Tim Scott, the other senator, yeah, right. Republican senator from South Carolina, right. already pledged they would vote for her. They don't know anything about her. They're going to vote for her. Right. Uh, and uh, this is, you know, part of the uh, Obama Biden legacy of when they go low, we go high. So Trump, Trump puts on these ideologues who are just to get their marching orders from the federal society, do what they're told. Right. And Biden, Biden is like, oh, we all get along. Well, you know, but any you like three, Tim Scott. Yeah, but any of these three women are going to be the same on, on this stuff. I mean, they're they're positions are going to be basically the same. So that's not, you know, so it, it's mainly cosmetic. Uh, and the thing is, Biden is going to get it done uh, before next week, because yeah. a week from or now we have um, actually six days. We have the state of the union mm-hmm. and he's going to need to be able to put that in the state of the union dress address mm-hmm. Uh to prepare the nation for it and to um, box in uh, the Republicans as much as possible in the process. So whoever it is, he's going to be bragging about them and giving us their qualifications or why they should be there. Uh, He he needs that time. And um, he'll do it. But the reason, the reason I've picked who I picked not that I know that much any more about her than I do the other two, but I think she's the one because she was fast tracked. She was a, a, a appointed to the bench uh, to become the next mm-hmm. Supreme Court judge. He, he wanted her in position to do that because the woman in California, she's the only one who's actually been before the Supreme Court yeah. arguing cases. Leandra Kruger, is yeah. you were alluding to, yeah, yeah, and, so, and you know, so that that gives her an advantage that the other two don't have, you know. So they, and you know, with Childs, it's um, she's the only one who's not an Ivy Leaguer. She actually went to a, a state college, <laughs> and so that would, that makes her attractive for that reason, also. You know, yeah, that's so, a, but it's, yeah. the, I, that, that that that's an interesting side. To, uh, debate, which I just sort of smile at. Uh, you know, one of the um, just sort of like the interesting uh, contradictions of American culture uh, is the obsession people have with the Ivy Leagues. Right. You know, it's like if you you want your kid to go to an Ivy League school because it, it reflects on how successful they are and how smart they are and how hard they work. Uh, and then it's People, there's like a lingering resentment that people have toward the Ivy, like of right. envy 
And uh, and so Republicans, <laughs> so many of them will like be bashing elites and they went to the Ivy Leagues. Right. Way down right. Texas. Cruise, oh, yeah. you know? Right. He's like, no, when I was working at Newsweek back in the um, mid 80s, the uh, bureau chief. Uh, Newsweek bureau chief Bob Rivard told me he said he when his, he had young kids you know elementary school kids he said when his kids grew up he wanted them to go to an Ivy League school because they're running everything you know, to, you know, <laughs> and now you see it it, was, it may not as it wasn't as as obvious to me back then but thanks to Obama and infant everybody he went to school with in government to have there. I mean, it's obvious. It's very obvious to me now. Well, it was, it's pretty much been the case my entire life. Uh, the best and the brightest was a term coined by David Halberstam to describe the whiz kids uh, that from the Kennedy and the Johnson administration who strategized uh, the war in uh, Vietnam. And um, almost all of them were Ivy League grads. And so it's always the best and the brightest, the smartest people gets us the most trouble. So right. I, 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 I'm very vulnerable. Yeah. Speaking of which, I just learned this last week uh, with the Bay of Pigs. That failed miserably. Yeah. You know why it failed? They why? screwed up the time. They didn't factor in the time change. And so, you know, these geniuses, the best and the brightest, yeah. didn't, just, didn't, didn't, didn't notice a little thing like, you know, uh, right now in, in, um, in Indianapolis is um, 3.33, not 2.30. Yeah. Is an hour's difference. Uh, yeah, no, the, <laughs> the best and the brightest are not that bright. All right, very good. Enough uh, trashing the best and the brightest. We have our bet, uh, and we'll, I'm going to put lunch on the line. And if uh, uh, Biden takes uh, Brown Jackson, uh, I buy the lunch. And if he picks Childs, uh, Monroe will buy me a steak dinner somewhere. And, um, <laughs> uh, and Monroe actually left. His home. We went to a Bulls game last week, so he's now out and about. Yes. Uh, so no excuses, Monroe. Uh, right. We had probably picked neither one of them just to show us both that we don't know anything. Yeah. Well, and the the other thing is the the masks. The, the whole mask stuff will be gone in, this time next week. Yeah, to be returned uh, in about three months when the next uh, right. variant hits. Come on. Uh, all right, very good. Monroe Anderson, thank you so much. Great job as always. And I want to thank the man, the myth, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And Monroe, as you know, uh, and as everybody in Gary, Indiana will tell you, back home at Alton, they call him Dr. D, and the D stands for Demarvelous. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Mm-hmm.